0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين يقص الحق وهو خير الفاصلين اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رشا درو شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Welcome to everybody and wa rahmatullahi wa to the fifth session uh, of the Islam's Greatest Personality series, and this is the fifth part of the story of Prophet Adam alayhi salam So in the last session, um, we spoke about uh, a few things. Uh, We spoke about if the act of eating from the tree was initiated by Hawa, and then we went into a detailed explanation of that. We also spoke about how to deal with Waswasa and the invitation of sin, and we concluded on speaking about how long Adam and Hawa remained in paradise. And then we said this week, insha'Allah, we're going to speak about the 10 consequences of (laughs) eating from the tree. Now today's menu, insha'Allah, we have three items on the menu. So as a starter, we're going to speak about this issue of what happened as a result of eating from the tree. So these are the starters, mixed platter, 10 items on there. And then we're going to go on to our main course, which is discussing the effect of sins in our life. So that's, that's the starting. And inshallah, then we'll go on to speaking about the effect of sins in our lives. Um, so there's a notion that if you do something good or bad, um, that's what Jannat and Jahannam is for. But little do we realize it does have an impact in our worldly life as well. So we'll speak about that inshallah. And you know, sometimes you go out to eat and you've had your meal, but then you look at the menu and you don't really like the desserts that are there. You think, nah, no, forget having desserts here. And then you go somewhere else to have desserts in particular. You guys are going to think this guy goes out to eat all the time. Um, you can think what you want, uh, it doesn't impact me anyway. But it's, it's, it's a true reality. So our, this, today's dessert is going to be a big dessert where we're going to speak about the difference between the disobedience of Adam and that of Iblis. Okay, so apparently it seemed Adam salam ate from the tree. Apparently it seemed he disobeyed Allah and then Iblis also disobeyed Allah. Is there a difference in both of their actions or not? And we're going to speak about a very sensitive but important topic inshaAllah um, if time allows. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. So we know that Adam salam ate from the tree what happened so quran tells us immediately there were 10 things that happened most of these we take from the quran number 1 the first one is called mu'atabatullah the reprimand of allah and that's not something small if someone senior to you someone in authority some above, above you um reprimands you no one wants to be reprimanded no one wants to get told off no one wants to get uh you know a, a, a kind of a penalty so, Adam and Hawa, both of them got reproached and reprimanded by Allah. Allah says in the Quran Allah said to Adam and Hawa, Did I not tell you, did I not prevent you from eating from the tree? And did I not tell you that Shaitan is your open enemy? So, that's consequence number one, the reprimand of Allah. Number two, the second thing they faced, the second consequence. It's called al Fadiha, which means humiliation. How were they humiliated? As soon as they ate from the tree, what happened? They were stripped from their clothing and their private areas became exposed. So that's consequence number two. Now we should be thinking, are we with to so many sins? Does it happen to us? Do our clothes shed away? No, Allah is so kind with us. Imagine this was the treatment that we had as well. Uh, where immediately you'd get like a telling off from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or like a lightning bolt came down allah is so merciful and kind number three akhrajahu min jiwarihi. allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed him from being close to him he was in jannah and as a result of that one act of adam alayhis salam of eating from the tree consequence number three allah removed him from his closeness and his vicinity ihbitu ba'dukum adu and told him right go down onto earth number four al-furqatu bayna hawa for a very long time because of eating from the tree adam and hawa were separated we commit sins does Allah separate us from our families from our wives from our children from our siblings and that doesn't happen for a very long time some of the scholars say that when adam and hawa came onto earth adam alayhis salam landed somewhere in hind hind doesn't just mean India it could be that whole area and Hawa landed in Jeddah and this is why Jeddah uh, is called Jeddah because Jeddah in Arabic means anybody I'm sure we know that much Arabic anybody no come on Adilba you know this one you've lived in Kuwait so Jeddah No, you're, you're thinking of a similar word. Jadda. Jadda means Jaddatun. Jaddatun means grandmother. Yeah, Jadda. Jad means granddad and Jaddatun it means grandmother. And this is why it's called. many scholars say it's called Jadda because this is where Adam uh, Hawa landed, our great-great-grandmother. So thus is Jadda. Nevertheless, this is a point mentioned by scholars of Tafsir. Uh, there's nothing sort of to... Uh, and then, after for a very long time. Some say even 300 years. They were separated for. Some say more, some say less. Where did they meet? Where did eventually Ado and Hawa meet? We know this one, don't we? We should know this one. Yes, in Arafat. In Arafah, and this is why Arafah is called Arafah. What does it mean? Arafa yarifu, To recognize. And this is why they met each other, and they saw, and they recognized each other. This is why it's called Arafa. Nevertheless, uh, you guys need some Arabic lessons. Anyway, mashallah, we have in this masjid, we have regular Arabic lessons for adult males, adult females, young boys, young girls, teenagers. Uh, Monali Ismail, Bamji delivers them regularly for everybody. Throughout the holidays, This Arabic fun clubs. So no, um, you've got no excuse. So that was number four, the fourth consequence that they were separated from each other. Fifth consequence, al adawa Enmity was placed between human beings. Allah says, When they were in Jannah, there was, there's no concept of enmity and hatred in Jannah. But when they were sent to the earth, Allah told them that you and your children are going to live on earth. And what's going to happen? You're all going to keep fighting each other. And it's just the nature of the place. Enmity will be placed between you, yourselves. And number six, the sixth consequence, An-nida alayhi bi-ism al-isyan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called him out for the act. And allah told him that you've disobeyed me the quran says that adam disobeyed his lord uh, thus he faced the result of it and um, again we'll speak about the disobedience and what does it mean Uh, can a prophet disobey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we'll speak about that in the end but this is allah speaking to the prophet not us speaking about the prophet allah speaking to the prophet and allah can say what he wants the Seventh Consequence sliṭul adu ala awladi, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a result of him eating from the tree, the enemy of Adam alayhis salam who is Iblis has now been set loose upon the children of Adam Alayhis Allah says in the Quran, bi sautik wa Iblis, when he was told to get out of Jannah because he disobeyed, and Adam Alayhis is also now being told to come out of Jannah and come to the earth. Iblis said to Allah, Give me life till the day of judgment. Allah said, granted, you're gonna live till the day of judgment. And then he stood arrogantly before Allah and he told him, I'm going to take each and every person to Jahannam with me. Allah said, you've got all the power. If you want to entice any of these people with your voice, you can do so. Many scholars say voice of Shaytan is music. So one of the strongest tools last week we spoke about of Iblis are the eyes. Another very strong tool of Iblis is his voice. And the voice of Iblis and Shaitan is music. So Qur'an tells man So Allah said, use all the tools you can. Use your voice, okay? Use music, and you can use many other things as well. But the ones who are sincere towards me, they will remain protected. So that was number seven. The eighth consequence is Lahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this world a prison cell. For Adam and all of his children in comparison to Jannah, we, we don't treat it as a prison cell. We think this is our be and an uh, all end. It's, it's like the way we're living. It's as if this is our paradise. But is it? No, we've been told by the Prophet وسلم, الكافر, that this world is a prison for a believer and a paradise for a non-believer. So this has become a prison for his children. Number nine, attaab. In Nahada Adubulaka wali zawojika fala yukrijan nakuma minal janati fataska. In jannah Adam السلام, anybody wants to eat, you don't have to go and work. You don't have to earn. You don't have to try hard. You don't have to struggle. You don't need to go to nursery and then go to primary and then go to secondary and college and university and have tests and exams and make sure you get certain grades and then you have to go and apply for a job and then you have to go for an interview and then you have to wake up early in the morning be there for nine o'clock if you get late then you get reprimanded and then stay there doesn't matter rain or shine you have to go to work and you have to clock in you have to clock out and if you don't go then you won't get paid and you lose your job and it's it's a life of struggle this is the the number nine struggle working hard in jannah you don't have to do any of this And Allah told Adam that if you eat from this tree, you're going to end up living a life of struggle. And that's what's happened. So the struggle that we've got in this world, difficulty, enduring trouble. And number 10, some of the scholars have mentioned as a result of eating from the tree, Adam he lost his uh, illuminous glow that he had. There was a certain type of radiance and his skin started becoming all weak. And you could see the difference, it, the complexion kind of changed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left a little bit of the old complexion that he had, which was very radiant and luminous at the tips of his fingers. So when he came into the world, every time he looked towards the tip of his fingers and his nails, he would remember his original state, how he was, how Allah created him, so that he would always be reminded of this. So these are the 10 consequences of um eating from the tree let's move on to speaking about the effects of sins in our life so we commit sins we disobey may allah protect us may allah guide us may allah keep us away from his disobedience but it's 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 a given thing we we're human beings we make mistakes now the question that is asked is um sins have an effect on our bodies and our lives just like poison does if you were if somebody was to drink poison and think you know, nothing's gonna happen to me it'll happen next week or next year and some poison is like that it doesn't work straight away you, many types of poison you have if you were to have it right now it, it won't happen nothing will happen to you it'll happen to you after a week or after a month or maybe after a year that's right okay so that's exactly how sins are because just because we've been told that if you do this sin you're gonna get a punishment tomorrow when we say tomorrow we're meaning in the hereafter what happens is we think, oh, that's like, that's, that's like so far away. Let's just do it because that, that's far away. With that kind of a mind frame, do we ever drink poison or eat poison? If, for example, there's, there's, a, there's a tin of biscuits, we're talking about food again now. If there's a tin of biscuits and there's a hundred biscuits in there, okay, chocolate biscuits as well, and one of them have got poison in, would any of us dare to open the lid and take a biscuit out and dip it in your tea and eat it would be 99 are fine there's no poison in them whatsoever it's only one of them so exactly in the same way we've been told that the sins they're poisonous because when you commit a sin then there's a consequence but because we have this notion this misunderstanding that the consequence is going to be in the hereafter and we're so engrossed in this world what happens is we sort of think, oh, that's like that'll come when it comes. I, I should be careful with what I say because it's a, it's a huge element of our belief to believe in the hereafter. And anybody that doesn't believe in it, does not remain in the fold of Islam? And although we don't say this, but our actions and the way we behave shows that there's, there's no hereafter to come. May Allah protect us. A few questions for you. First of all, the question is, what was it that took out our parents, Adam and Hawa, from Jannah? What was it? Um, What was it that caused Iblis to be kicked out from that heavenly kingdom where he was made the leader of all of the angels and he he had whatever he wanted? What is it he did that made him become rejected forever and ever? What was it that caused the people of Nuh to be drowned? What is it they did that caused them to be drowned and only a few of them survived? What was it that caused the people of Ad to be destroyed by winds, consecutive winds, seven days and eight nights or the other way around? How, how, what was it that caused them all to be destroyed in such a manner that anybody that looked at them, they looked like date palm trees just thrown around. Whereas in reality, it was the people of Ad who had been totally destroyed. What was it that caused the people of Thamud to be destroyed uh, by a, a massive and loud scream what was it that caused the people of Luta alayhi salam to be lifted on the, on the tip of the wing of jibreel lifted to the heavens, and then smashed on the ground and then they had a rain on them raining not rain of water but the rain was of stones such a punishment never been given to anybody ever before these are questions for us to think about what was it that caused the people of shuaib alayhi salam for them to receive these clouds. They got excited, oh, the clouds are coming. And instead of rain, it was flames of fire that was shooting towards them and it destroyed all of them and their gardens, which they were very proud about. What was it that caused Fir'aun, who was so rich, who had such a kingdom to be destroyed in the waters. So his body, his physical body was drowned in the sea and his soul is drowning in the fire of Jahannam. What was it that caused Qarun, who was so wealthy, a relative of musa a.s. to be sucked into the ground and the, and the and the ground and the earth swallowed him and all of his wealth which he was very proud about and he had a lot of wealth it says the wealth of Qarun was such quran tells us that you needed a whole army or armies just to carry the keys that's how much wealth he had imagine if the keys were so many how much wealth did he have but what happened the earth opened up and it swallowed karun and all of his wealth altogether. What was it that caused these people to be destroyed? Um, What was it that caused the Bani Israel, the Israelites, to be faced by these huge armies that destroyed them, killed? The Babylonian king came and he destroyed the whole of Jerusalem, the whole of the vicinity, the whole of area was totally annihilated. People were taken as prisoners and uh, the men were killed. The women were taken as prisoners. Their houses were burnt, ransacked. Totally destroyed. Not once. Quran tells us so it happened again for a second time as well. What was it that caused all these types of punishments to be uh, placed upon the Bani Israel? For example, they had tyrant rulers. Some of were some of them were transformed into pigs and monkeys. We hear in the Quran. Uh, the, some of them were transformed into into monkeys, and then we have Allah Subhanahu wa Taala telling us again in the Quran: that ilayhim, alayhim ila al Man su'al adhab." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is going to set, set upon them until the day of judgment those who are going to keep giving them this taste of punishment maybe hitler was one of them as well that continuously the Bani israel and the israelites not just then but until qiyama allah says allah will always appoint somebody who's going to give them a taste of their own medicine and they're going to get this taste of a punishment what was it what is it you guys tell me all of these people from the beginning from adam iblis we spoke about the people of no the people of salih we spoke about the israelites we spoke about all the different types of people what was it that caused them to face these consequences what is it they did this is it simple answer disobedience of allah that's it nothing more nothing less when allah tells you to do something and you don't do it or allah says don't do it and you do it we call this disobedience of allah we call this sin And that is what all of these people did and these are the consequences they faced in the world and we think nothing happens to us in the world these are the consequences they face in the world and what is stored in the hereafter is separate these are all things that happened here in the world so here we come to something very important ibn al-qayyim rahmatullahi mentions that people have this misconception that if i commit a sin and for good good deeds as well not just because you know we're so used to this instant gratification nowadays in the world um, with social media and all the other technology that's out there. This point which I'm going to mention I think is quite relevant. And generally as well as Muslims, we have this misunderstanding that if I do a good deed, if for example uh, I read some Quran, the reward I'm going to get for it is going to be in the hereafter. Or if I for example commit a sin if I listen to or look at something or say something or do something that's haram or sinful, I think that the sin and the impact of that sin is going to affect me in the hereafter. And because we think the hereafter is like miles and miles and miles away or years away, we don't really think about it. So we don't really get that push, that, oh, let me do it because I'm, we, we, hear all the, we all know the rewards. We know the reward of praying. We know the reward of dhikr. We know the reward of sadaqah. But that doesn't really push us. And we also know the harms of sins. But we don't stay away from them. Because we think that the impact is only going to be in the hereafter. So he says this is a misunderstanding and a misconcept that people have that needs correcting. Yes, the ultimate reward and the ultimate punishment, the hereafter is the place for them. This world isn't the place for ultimate reward or ultimate punishment. However, whenever you do a good action, it always has a positive reaction. Every good action has a positive reaction in this world. And every bad action has a negative reaction in this world as well. Yes, the ultimate reward and the ultimate punishment will be in the hereafter. But you are given a temporary reward for your good deeds in this world and you are given a temporary punishment for your sins in this world as well now this is an important topic and this is something that every muslim should know about should read about should hear about because because our connection with this world is so strong we're so involved with the world When someone tells you that, we understand if you lose a 10 pound note, we we see it, we feel it, don't we? Yeah. But if we don't read Quran for one day, or if we miss one salah, does it affect us in the same way? Unfortunately, it doesn't. Because we think that the impact is only for the hereafter. And we think, okay, you know, I'll pray when I grow up, or when I go for Hajj, Allah's going to forgive everything I've done. Or for example, I'll make Tawbah, 27th night comes, I'll make Tawbah and I'll change or maybe you think often oh, so-and-so good deeds or i know so-and-so sheikh, or you know because of his blessings or maybe you know i'm going to read the durusharif and the prophet is going to hold my hand and take me into jannah anyway so we have all of these thoughts in our heads okay and all of these things oh we, we just say oh it, it was a decree of allah i i it was i was out of my control allah wanted it to happen you know and it just happened so we tell ourselves all of these things instead If we are aware of the impact of good deeds and bad deeds in the world it will definitely help us to stay away from bad and do more good because we're so strongly connected to the world hereafter we already know about and we should improve our belief in the hereafter but knowing this maulana ashraf ali tanwi rahmatullah has a very very beneficial book very small it's called in urdu it's called jazaul a'mal English, it's called Rewards and Punishments for Human Deeds. This particular copy only costs 50p, which is absolutely nothing. This is, I've got it years ago. I used to actually have a few copies and give them out. I don't know if this particular copy is still available, but yesterday, just before, whilst I was preparing for today's session, I checked online, and they've got like an improved version. Maybe the, I don't know what's improved in it. Uh, but it's £2.50 now, inflation. But even though that's nothing, £2.50 for something that could change your life forever. This is a life-changing book, Jaza'ul A'mal. And what he's done, simply what he's done, is split into a few categories. You could read this in one sitting, two sittings, those of you who, who are into reading. And if, even if not, even if you read a page a day, it doesn't have that many pages. And I think this is something that could be read again and again. So he split it into a few categories. Um, the first category speaks about um, that good deeds and bad deeds are rewarded and punished in this world and also the hereafter. So he speaks about that concept. And then he goes into the first chapter. It actually shows you different examples, which I'm gonna share some of them with you. We don't have time to go through all of it, but some of them, just to give you an idea, a few examples of how your sins have a negative Effect in your day-to-day life. If somebody spells it out to you, you think, "Oh, okay." Otherwise, you just think, "Oh, uh, this happened because of X, Y, and Z." No, he's telling us this happened because you committed so and so sin. So that's what he does in chapter one. Chapter two, then he goes on to showing us our good deeds and the uh, the positive effect it has on our daily lives. We're not talking about jannah, okay? We're not talking about the day of judgment. We're not talking about what's going to happen in your grave. In your daily life. Uh, and then he goes on to speaking about um in chapter three the link between sins and the hereafter and then number four he speaks about the link between good deeds and the hereafter so he speaks about the world first and then the hereafter we always hear it the other way around if you do this you'll get this in jannah if you don't do this then this will happen in jahannam that's in its place and we always hear about it but one topic which we don't discuss is What is the impact of good and bad deeds in this worldly life which we need to hear again and again and then he clarifies some misconceptions. Some of them the ones I've just mentioned now that I'll make tawbah later on or for example um, it was the taqdeer that made me do it. You know Allah had already decreed. So you've done a sin and then you think well you know already uh, it was already destined. Uh, He mentioned something really amazing. He says well when you were committing that sin is that what you had in mind? Is that what you were thinking at that time or oh, allah's already destined for me to do this or were you like enjoying yourself at the end of the sin you're saying oh i i, I didn't really want to do it it just happened but no at that time you had a full intention and you don't say that when you're doing something good or when something worldly happens you make an effort for it you try and avoid it you try and work hard towards it so he's trying to say that that is again shaitan whispering to you and it's not correct nevertheless so let's speak about some of so. what i've done is i've taken a few of the ideas from them. i'm going to share them with you on how on a daily basis how our sins have a negative impact (coughs) in our lives and by hearing this again and again and knowing this having this type of knowledge it will help us to stay away from the disobedience of allah alongside knowing the punishments of the hereafter as well for example imam ahmad ibn hanbal rahmatullah alayh Uh, He's mentioned that once Aisha radiallahu anha, she wrote to Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. So one great sahabiyah is writing to another great sahabi. And she wrote to him some advice saying, a person who commits sins regularly, one of the impacts it has in your worldly life, your admirers turn into your critics. The people who love you, the people who admire you, the people who praise you, those same individuals start criticizing you. So, obviously, me and you would say, oh, so-and-so happened. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. However, he's, he's bringing our attention that, no, you think that. But the reality is, because of sins, this is what's happened. Another other example he gives is a sinful person who commits sins all the time. You have this feeling of remoteness from Allah. You feel this barrier between you and Allah. You want to become close to Him, but you feel scared you have this apprehension you feel distant from him even when you're making dua this is uneasiness inside a person protect protectors another impact in the world is a person loses the noor imam malik rahmatullah they have this conversation and says that look i can see that allah has blessed you with the noor of ilm don't extinguish it with the, the the flames and the heat of the fire of sins if you if you if you have sins in your life then what's going to happen the noor that you have in the world and the light which is the light of guidance which makes it easy for you to do good deeds and stay away from other bad deeds a person loses that noor one pious person he says whenever i commit a sin immediately i see the impact of it in the disobedience of my wife the naughtiness of my children and the messing up of my conveyance Uh, at that time they had horses and donkeys today we have a car because whenever i do something wrong i commit a sin automatically I, i notice the impact immediately my wife starts becoming awkward now nowadays if your wife is a bit awkward or your husband's awkward okay we'd start blaming them for it but he's saying i start blaming myself immediately i go and make istighfar because this is the immediate impact of me committing a sin and this is how it's showing up in the world and then my children start playing up. Children are normally fine. One day they start being very naughty. They're answering back. They're messing around. They're not listening to you. And we start blaming them. We shout at them. Sometimes we even hit them and we're not supposed to. And we go beyond the limits without realizing that the sin I committed, that's, this is the fruit of it, bad fruit okay, uh, of it. And he says, my conveyance, you get in your car and everything was fine. And it just stopped working. What's happened to it why is it not working well it was the impact of the sin that you did in the morning that now that is happened in the car another impact he says of sins in this world is a person starts to lose inclination towards good deeds you don't feel like doing good deeds anymore before you were fine, you'd always want to read Quran. You'd want to spend more time in the masjid. You'd want to give that money in sadaqah. You had your heart was in it when you wanted to make du'a. You wanted the imam to recite longer surah. Now you're like thinking, when, when's when's the imam going to finish? Why is it going so long? Or you wanted to help out, or you wanted to assist, but now you don't want to do any of that. Don't just think, oh, because this has changed, or it's just me. I'm just feeling a bit lazy. No, this is the immediate impact of committing sins. That a person loses the inclination to do good. Another thing he mentions is one sin leads to another sin. Sometimes we think, if I do this sin, then I won't do it ever again, without realizing a person sins once, then that has, a, has a, the effect of it would lead you to do another sin. Um, and one of the most dangerous things, uh, most detrimental, most harmful impact of committing sins. Is a person is unable to recite the kalima at the time of death. And he gives a few examples uh, which the Sheikh Rahmatullah also mentions in the books of Fada'il. For example, we have the incident where a person is dying and people surround him and tell him to recite the kalima. Instead, he says, A glass of wine for you, a glass of wine for me, and he passes away in this condition. Again, this was because this individual dealt with intoxicants in his life so it's not one sin; it could be any sin when a person becomes habitual of sinning we have the other example of the person who would be unmindful of salah unmindful of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why because he was too engaged in his work and he was a, he used to sell cloth um, and he gives the examples that all day He'd be showing samples of cloth rolling them out to people this is 10 rupees this is 15 rupees this is 12 rupees and when his death came people surrounded him say la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah he's saying 10 rupees 12 rupees 15 rupees and in this way he left the world may allah protect us so can you see by knowing this and hearing this again and again it will definitely keep us awake and we'd want to stay away from the disobedience of allah subhanahu wa Taala. One of the immediate uh, effects of sin, I can mention two, which I've heard from the mashayikh and the scholars. They say two things. One is when a person commits sins in this world, um, you know, sometimes you think, well, look, the sky hasn't fell upon me. I'm fine, I'm healthy. My car's working fine. I'll go to work. If Allah's angry with me, well, why doesn't this is what the people of the past used to say. The prophets used to say, look, if you disobey Allah, then Allah is going to send a the punishment. They used to say, well, where is it? I can't see it. Unfortunately, we have a similar mentality, not as bad, of course, otherwise we'd lose our iman. But we think that I'm, I'm getting away with it. I'm fine. Look, nothing's happening to me. The world is going by. I'm going by. I'm okay. My life, life is fine. I'm doing, if it was so bad, if Allah was so angry with me, uh, how come you know, things are going fine with me I'd, I'd be in a bad situation i'd be having a very bad life the ulama mentioned the first thing that happens when a person leads a life of sin is allah deprives you of having a sweet conversation with him at the time of tahajjud in urdu they say uh, and munajat means when you have a private discussion with somebody in the dead of the night when everyone's sleeping for those people who sacrifice their sleep and they wake up and they pray those two or four rak'at and they have that sweet moment with Allah which is sweeter than honey. But for a person who's sinful they just make excuses, oh I couldn't wake up. I was too tired. I was you know, I got busy. Whereas when we look at the lives of those people who are who are regular and you think, is it because they're free, they've got nothing better to do? You know, when we hear some of the people who are some are like a hundred times more busier than I am. Okay, i look at their lives if you look at them you'll find none of these are valid excuses of being too busy slept too late some people they no matter what time they sleep okay they could have been so busy they could be sleeping even then they're sleeping like one hour or two hours before the time of the hajjud but they still wake up so that excuse so i it's it's not about what i want to do you might want to do it then eventually you might think i want to do it but i can't well the reason is That you've placed an obstacle and the obstacle is sins so first punishment that comes to a person in this world for disobeying allah is a person is deprived of having those sweet moments with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we'll pray but there's no enjoyment there we'll make the dua but there's no sweetness there and the second thing uh which i've heard from the massage is a person is deprived from the opportunity of reading the sunnah du'as on their right time. The Masnoon du'a, how many du'as are the du'a before eating, du'a after eating, du'a before sleeping, after sleeping, before going in the toilet, after coming out of the toilet. Now, if I was to ask, we all know these du'as, don't we? Yeah, do we know the du'a before going to sleep? Yes. Do we know the du'a when we wake up? Yes. Do we know the du'a coming in the masjid? Yeah, we learnt them all. Is it enough just to know them? Now if I ask you a question, do we read them at the time? At the, at the time we're supposed to read them. Do we regularly read them? We know them. If we were to told to teach a hundred people, we'll teach them as well. We can teach it. We can know it. But is that sufficient? Okay. Do we read the du'as at the time? So This is the ulama say, that is another impact of committing sins. That we're unable, at that time when we're supposed to read that dua, it doesn't come out. Uh, So, this is a proof and a sign to show that sins do have an impact, a negative impact in this worldly life. That's not the end of it. Okay, the ultimate punishment will be in the hereafter. Yes, if there's one sin the hadith talks about, that the punishment of that particular sin is brought early, that a person will get a full punishment in the world and then a full punishment in the hereafter is being disobedient to one's parents that's in the hadith the hadith clearly says that if there's any one sin that a person the punishment of it is both early in the world and also in the hereafter and again in the world what does it mean to be punished in the world uh, a person will suffer in their sustenance for example your life will be shortened for example you won't live so long mm. Uh, a person will suffer in their sustenance. Another interesting one that's in here, uh Ashraf wa Rahmatullah mentions in Jazaw al-Amal is, for example, lying uh, decreases your risk. Now, it's so common to lie to get more money. That, that, like, nearly everybody does it. We lie to get more money. Right? But the hadith tells us, uh, uh, or, or if it's a saying of the scholars, that lying decreases your sustenance. So you might think it's increased, but then somewhere down the line, you might end up spending it here and there, or a cost might come out, or you might get a penalty or something, and you end up paying for it without realizing that you, you've you lost more than what you've earned. And why? Because a person committed a sin in the first place. So coming back to what we were discussing is uh, sins. That's what happened. And that's the impact of sins. Now, before we go on to uh, our dessert, insha'Allah. I just want to mention one thing. Nowadays, we hear and we always see, especially online, um, we see this all the time. Uh, Going back to what we were discussing about instant gratification, sorry. Instant gratification, we're living in a world where we want things immediately. You know, we're so used to instant messaging. You message somebody and, like, you want them to respond. You can see they're online. You can see the blue ticks have appeared. And, like, you think, "I I need the answer right now. And if we don't, we start getting frustrated. And, not just with that, with the computer games and the things. If you were to show our children some of the old cartoons that we used to watch when we were young, they get so bored. They're just, they're not, just not willing to watch them because the graphics are not the same, the animation quality, and it, it just moves so slowly. And even we think, oh, did I really watch that when I was young? And I used to enjoy it, and we'd wake up so early just to watch these cartoons. Whereas they're just used to things being so much faster. Okay, and exactly adults are the same as well. We've just got used to this. So when we do a good deed and someone tells you, well, in Jannah, you'll get a tree. No, no, but I want something now. So this is what's happening. The book explains to you all the benefits that when you do a good deed, you do get something now. Many things. In the same way, when you do something wrong, okay, the danger is not just in Jahannam or on the day of judgment or in the Qabr in our daily lives we will face. Look at what this scholar is saying, this pious person. When I commit a sin, immediately I see the impact in the awkwardness of my wife, in the disobedience of my children, and the playing up of my vehicle. I, I, I see it. Some people notice it. We see it as well, but we, can't, we don't pick up on it. We make excuses. We see these things going wrong in our lives, but we blame other things. We like to blame. We like to put the finger and point everywhere else. Where we don't point the finger is we don't point the finger to our... So now the issue I wanted to mention is karma. We always hear this. What comes around goes around. What you reap is what you sow. Oh, it was karma. Oh, he did it so many years ago, so he's come back to haunt him. In Islam, is there room to believe in karma? We see on t-shirts, we see on mugs, we see on people's profiles, people comment islamically as muslims are we allowed to use this term and is does it exist now where does it originate from it's actually a very ancient hindu buddhist concept karma and they say that what you did in your old life it's to do with reincarnation this is kufr. we don't believe in it do you believe in reincarnation no so they say karma that's where it comes from that whatever somebody did in their old life They come back into this world, or into the new world, uh, maybe in the shape of whatever, an elephant, or a penguin, or whatever it is, maybe a good form, because you did something good there, that's why you've come better. Or if you did something bad there, then you've come back here as a snake, or whatever, whatever it is. That's the original concept of it. I know people don't use it like that today, but it's best to be avoided. Does Islam believe in a similar concept, not of the reincarnation, but you read what you saw, or what goes around comes around. Um, does that exist in Islam? Well to a degree it does because we've just spoke about it now. Um, so yes, we don't believe in things that like reincarnation, that's kufr, this is why we should avoid using the concept of karma we have in Islam. You do a good deed, every good deeds, every positive action has a positive reaction and every bad action has a negative reaction. And yes, although we believe, ultimately, ultimately we believe the reward and the punishment is going to be given where? In the hereafter. However, there is a temporary effect in the world of good and bad deeds as well. So let's move on. Now Adam and Hawa ate from the tree. We've crossed that hurdle now already. Immediately they lost their clothing and they felt regret and remorse. They were separated as we know for so many years some even say for 300 years adam cried for 300 years he made tawbah for 300 years he made istighfar on eating from the tree once okay and we sin day and night day and night day and night and we've not even made istighfar for three minutes let alone 300 years may allah grant us the tawfiq what, 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 what did he say? So he was begging Allah, he was crying to Allah, and Quran says, adamu kalimatin fataba alayhi rahim. Adam alayhi managed to from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he managed to get some kalimat, some powerful words to help him make istighfar. What were those words? Rabbana, and anfusana. He said in the Quran, What did he say? He said, Oh Allah, we have wronged ourselves. Oh Allah, we've wronged out what we did. We've wronged out. Oh if you don't forgive us and if you don't have mercy on us we're going to become from the losers. Oh we don't want to be from the losers. Please forgive us. Please have mercy on us. And he prayed to Allah with this for 300 years. He cried, he made tawbah. And of course, Allah accepted his tawbah and he became, he was a beloved of Allah and he became even more beloved to Allah after his tawbah. We'll speak about that in a moment. So now Adam alayhi salam, he comes down to the earth and he's made this tawbah for so many years. Now, before we go on to speaking about what happens when he comes onto the earth, because that's going to be now in the next session. The next session, next two sessions are going to discuss what was the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending Adam and Hawa from Jannah to the earth. I mean, they could have stayed there. They could have repented there and stayed there. What was the wisdom behind Allah sending Adam and Hawa to planet earth? The ulama have mentioned more than 20 different types of wisdom and reasons for why Allah sent them. We're going to speak about them in the next two sessions in insha'Allah. Um, so the time doesn't allow us to go into that. What we are going to speak about today is what was the difference between the disobedience of Adam and the disobedience of Iblis? Apparently, Allah told Adam السلام, don't eat from the tree. Did he eat from the tree? Yes. Allah told Iblis bow down to Adam Did he bow down? No. So when you look at it on the surface, apparently it looks like he disobeyed, he disobeyed. Is there a difference between the disobedience of Adam and the disobedience of Iblis? When I'm using the word disobedience, we're looking at it from apparent. Okay. Apparently. So this takes us into a very sensitive area because we're not talking about any old person we're talking about a prophet prophet adam a.s. and he was from amongst the greatest prophets do prophets commit sins can they commit a sin can we call it a sin have any prophets sinned? all of these questions um so ulama have written on this extensively it's a very very sensitive yet very important topic and it requires time to understand and we don't have that much time to go into the detailed explanation so what i've tried to do is try to get a conclusion in a simplistic manner and put together some points to put before you um so that we can understand this masala because this is we've started the story of adam a. we're going to go on when we come to the story of yunus a. we know yunus a. what happened he was eaten by the whale So this must Allah and this issue will come up again. We're going to speak about Yusuf story when the the Zulaikha was trying to entice him. Uh, It's going to come up again. We're going to speak about later on Musa Ibrahim when he says he lied on three occasions. Was he a lie? Okay. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even when he was talking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referred to him. For example, on one occasion, abasa tawalla when people came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the rich people were there, or the wealthy people of Quraysh were there and he was trying to give them advice. And then a sahabi who was very truthful, sincere, a blind sahabi, a mu'addin of Masjid Nabwi, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktum, came to the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam as well. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi frowned. He turned his face away from him and he gave attention to the kuffar and the disbelievers that were there. And there was a reason for this. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala sent the verses of the Quran, Abasa the one who turned his face away and frowned at this sincere sahabi who came for you sincerely these people they're full of kufr they don't want to listen to you he wants to listen to you he's ready to listen to your advice so again there are occasions like this which will keep appearing if we can discuss the issue now we'll understand for future what it exactly means so let's take this topic this topic is titled Ismatul anbiya Ismatul anbiya is from ahlus sunnah wal jama'ah one of our beliefs we believe in the innocence of the prophets prophets are innocent in in our language we say masoom masoom comes from the word isma and isma linguistically isma means to prevent something to prevent something okay and in 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 the sharia it means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prevented them from committing a sin they can't commit sins just like angels So all of the, so the conclusion of everything is, the ulama agree that prophets, all of the prophets of Allah are masoom, they are innocent, they are sinless, sin free, no prophet has committed a sin, no prophet can commit a sin. So what about in the Quran Adam ate from the tree questions arise and that's why we've come to this. So we're going to try and understand this inshallah in more detail. So first of all, even logic demands this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us in the Quran, faqad ataa Allah. whoever obeys the messenger has obeyed Allah. Allah has told you and me to follow the prophet and the people before them were told to follow their prophets. Did Allah just say, follow the prophet in some things? Or did Allah say, follow the prophet in all the good things he does? Or did Allah say, follow the prophet like for 23 hours, they've got this one hour window where they can do what they want. So don't follow them in those things. Or follow them in their public life, but in their private life, what they get up to, don't follow them in that. Or has Allah told us blindly, no matter what the prophet does, you have to do it. What have we been told? Have we been told to be selective or to follow everything the prophet does? We've been told to do everything the prophet does, even the way he walks and eats and sleeps, okay? Of course, when he commands you to pray, when he commands you to fast, but even his, his appearance, everything Allah loves. So it's impossible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to follow the prophets in 24-hour lifestyle and it's impossible then for them to commit a sin. Because that means Allah is telling us to commit a sin as well. Does that make sense? So that is one of the points that ulama have mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us unconditionally, blindly to follow them. Which tells us that it's not possible for them to commit a sin. Allah wouldn't tell us to follow somebody who commits a sin and disobeys. Number two, the prophets in terms of their nature are angelic. Do you know angels? We all believe that angels are masoom. They don't commit sins. They can't commit sins. Well, the nature of anbiya is also angelic. The only difference is they have a, the, the, the outer garb is of a human being the outer garb is of a person but internally they are completely angelic they are noor complete noor just like an angel to the extent that imam Maturidi Rahmatullah mentions it is more important for us to believe in the innocence of the prophets than in the innocence of the angels why because we've not been told to obey angels have we whereas we've been told to obey the prophets And for us to have that trust and reliance and confidence in the prophets we must believe them to be innocent i'm going to speak about the christians and the jews and their beliefs regarding their prophets Uh, well same prophets we share and the kind of things they say we'll come to that in a moment and how we are different to them as muslims um so this is something quite powerful because yes we believe in the innocence of the angels but more importantly we are required as believers to believe in the innocence of prophets, because we've been told to obey them. We've not been told to obey the angels. So, perchance, if they were to commit a crime, it wouldn't impact you or me. But if a prophet was to commit a sin, then that puts a great question mark on their prophethood uh, in the message that they are sharing with us. So, that is number three. Number four. The prophets have been protected. What what is a sin? A sin is the intervention of the nafs and shaitan in your life. Nafs and shaitan interfering with you, and this is what it means by them being ma'asum. Allah has protected the um, the the prophets from being interfered by shaitan and the nafs. They can't have an impact on them on them in in a way where they end up be becoming sinful people. And if perchance they do something that outwardly looks like a sin. For example, Adam ate from the tree. That wasn't an inner desire. Adam if we study the verses of the Quran, those who've been with us from the beginning, from the verses of the Quran, did Adam want to disobey Allah? Did he do it knowingly that he's disobeying Allah? Okay, we're gonna come to that now, where Adam uh, he didn't, there was no inner desire in him to disobey Allah. This was the outward influence. Whereas the inner is always pure of a profit. You know, like water, for example. Water, let's give this example. Water, by nature, is cool. Even if I was to boil this to a hundred degrees, okay? And then I light a fire, and water that's burning hundred degrees, if I was to pour it onto the fire, what's gonna happen? Maybe you've not thought of that before. <laughs> but What's going to happen? The fire will extinguish. Because water, no, you, you, you can boil it, right? But that's not the nature of water. Water in itself is cool. That's the natural state of water. It's got coolness in it. Buruda. If I was to pour it, boiling water onto fire, the fire will extinguish. Similarly, the Anbiya, aleyhimu, salam, Naturally, inside they are ma'soom. If ever you do see something like Adam, for example, ate from the tree, That was an external influence that did not impact his inner. His inner was still innocent. Why did Adam al eat from the tree? It was very clear. Quran tells us, number one, he forgot. He forgot. And when you do something, if you're fasting, if I'm fasting and during fasting, I I forget that I'm fasting. I drink this whole bottle of water and then someone brings a plate of biryani and eat the whole plate. I, I forgot that I'm fasting. And then somebody says, Oh, you are fasting. Oh, does anything happen to my fast? No. Why? I forgot. The Quran tells us very clearly walam najid lahu azma. Adam Al-Aslam ate from the tree, but why did he eat from the tree? He forgot. What did he forget? He forgot Allah told him, don't eat from the tree. He forgot that Allah told him, if you eat from the tree, you're going to end up in the world and you're going to go through a, a difficult life. He forgot that shaitan's going to try and deceive you. Quran, Allah is telling us. When Allah is telling us, why do we need to take another meaning? Allah is saying, فَنَسِيَّ walam The Adam Islam forgot. Similarly, Adam al-Islam ate from the tree out of the love of Allah not out of enmity to Allah or trying to disobey Allah. How did he do it? Because Iblis came to him. First of all, he said the Qasam of Allah. He took Allah's name. Adam thought, How, can anybody take Allah's name and lie? No, this happened right in the beginning anyway. There was no experience that nowadays we find, even if somebody takes, when someone takes too many Qasam, then you start doubting them actually nowadays. Okay. And this is part of eloquence in, 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 in when we were studying, uh, uh, arabic eloquence and balaga Uh, this is one of the things that you learn that when somebody exaggerates and takes qasam where it's not needed sometimes you think okay there's something wrong here so shaitan he promised him with the name of allah and saying shall i not show you a tree that if you eat from there you'll remain forever and So Adam was excited out of the love of Allah. He wanted to remain in Jannah forever He wanted the love of Allah forever. He didn't want it to ever expire. So it wasn't out of um, in, It wasn't intentional Similarly if ever a prophet did something or apparently seemed something happened immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We find the divine, divine intervention of Allah in the story of Yusuf السلام, what happens is, now look at this, both of them, Zuleika, they say it was her name, she tried to seduce Yusuf So now Yusuf, and she locked the doors, not one door, she locked every single door. Now Yusuf is running to the door, and she is also running to the same door. So apparently it looks the same, they both running to the door. Okay, but what was happening? There's a huge difference in both of their running. He was running away from Zina, she is running towards Zina. He is running towards Halal, she is running towards Haram. Okay, he is running to the mercy of Allah and she was running to the wrath of Allah. Well, if somebody looks at it, they say, oh, look, they're both running to the same way. But it's not the same thing, it's totally different. You might use the same word, okay, but they got, both got involved in this, but their involvement was totally different. Yusuf alaihissalam was going the total other direction. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, very interesting what he says, anhu This happened, Allah says, because we wanted to turn minor and major sins away from him. He didn't say, because we wanted to turn Yusuf salam away from major and minor sins. He didn't say that. Because the sin wasn't from in him. It was an outer. We wanted to turn sins away from him. Are we following? So the internal is pure. It's innocent. They never desire to disobey Allah and commit a sin. Adam alayhi salam was speaking about what he did. He didn't want to, he didn't know how we commit a sin. We know we're doing a sin. We're, we're going against the command, we're breaking it. First of all, Quran clearly says he forgot. Secondly, it clearly says that uh, he did it because uh, Iblis deceived him. He deceived him. So he it was like a An act of obedience in which he slipped up he thought he did it out of the love of allah thinking yeah of course i want to be in jannah forever i want to love allah even more i want this kingdom that will be everlasting and as a result we call it not zillat zillat is disgrace zalla zallat means a slip when you slip up and that's what it we call this a zalla it was an unintentional slip up unintentional Slipper, and um, we find an example of this. For example, if for example there is a buzuruk, a pious scholar, a great alim, a teacher, he's sitting up, for example, and there's one space here. Uh, maybe one of his students come. Yeah, you say, he, You say, come and sit over here, and he goes, Hazrat, nay, nay, nay. nay. So we really say this, Hazrat, nay, 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 We We call that disobedience, no? This is adab. We won't call it disobedience, we'll call it, we'll call it obedience out of love. So apparently when you look at it, you think, well, he's telling you to sit up and you're saying, no, how dare you? Similarly, I give you a better example. At the time of Hudaybiyyah, you know what happened when the sahaba and the Prophet went for Umrah and they're wearing the ihram and they're coming from Medina and then they got stopped by the kuffar and said, you can't go, you can't go for Umrah, go back, how can we go back? We've come all this way. You have to go back. And then they made this agreement that you can come back next year only for three days. Weapons can't be opened, need to be put inside. Three days, umrah, you do and you go back. And then they made, made them write this letter. So then the Prophet said, write. write this agreement. So, write, uh, this is an agreement between the people of Makkah and Muhammad Rasulullah. So the person, they said, why did you like Rasulullah? If we believe you to be Rasulullah, we wouldn't be having this argument. Erase it. Rub it out. Just write your name, Muhammad bin Abdullah. And the Prophet told Ali, rub it out. Ali said, No. I believe you as Rasulullah. They don't believe you as Rasulullah. I'm not going to rub it out. Now, the Prophet himself asked, Where is it? Because you know he didn't read and write. Where is it? And he rubbed it out himself. Now, are you going to say what Ali who did over here is that disobedience? The Prophet told Ali, Rabi out. But his love for the Prophet didn't. Do, are we following? Yes. So Adam didn't maliciously go out there and disobey Allah. Oh Allah, you told me not to eat from the tree. I'm going to eat from it. No, it was there's so much more. The Quran speaks about this and we've, we've gone into the detail. So apparently, it seems like that. There is also another um, concept which is known as Hasanatul Abarar, Syyaatul Muqarrabin. It's not a hadith; it's a saying. Hasanatul Abarar, Abarar are the pious people. Mukarrabin are the utmost pious people; those who are very close to Allah. Abarar are the general pious people. They say Hasanatul Abarar, You know the good deeds. That the pious people do. If the close people to Allah did them, they'd be looked at as like sins or mistakes. And you think, how can somebody's good deeds be sins for somebody else? Hasanatul Abarar A Very simple example. Imagine there's a father. He's got two children, two sons. And one is one performs very well academically, always gets hundred percent, ten out of ten, A stars all the time, okay, so getting 100%. And the other one doesn't even reach the pass mark, doesn't even get 50%. That, he, he gets like 30s and 20s out of 100. Now imagine if one day they come home after a test, okay, and the, the, the thingy, what's he called? The, the one who's not as academically uh, sort of stimulated, he comes home and he gets 50, he gets the pass mark. The dad gets all excited, and he's really, really excited, and he, he gifts him, he hugs him, he takes him out for a, a, a meal, and he, he says, "Whatever you want, I'm going to buy for you." And the other one, his other brother, he gets 98 percent. And his dad stops talking to him for the whole day. Do you understand? Hasanatul-Abarar,, <laughs> imagine this guy, this brother, he got 50. <laughs> what would the dad do then he, forget 99 or 98 imagine if he got 50 what would he do would that be considered so for him that's considered to be a really good but if he got 50 what would happen maybe kick him out of the house so hassanatul abrar say atul muqarrabin the ulama say that you know when, when 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 normal people do something okay you might look at it oh that's yes that's okay when someone up there okay a person who's close to allah when they do it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't tolerate it it's looked at as something that's not good so this is what happens sometimes when we look at these stories and the way allah not not for me and you to deal with the prophets allah can deal with these prophets how he wants and for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to term it as a disobedience that's in accordance to the status of the Nabi in the sight of Allah in comparison to everybody else. Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it Thus Adam disobeyed his Lord. This is apparently because it looks like that, doesn't it? When he ate from the tree, it looked but we've gone into the meanings of how and why he ate from the tree. Now, another important concept is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made certain things happen in this world with the prophets even with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to so that people could benefit adam ate from the tree the story ended do you know what the immediate result was how huge the benefit was do you know you and me we learned how to make tawbah repentance that's where, where does it that's a lesson of repentance and the repentance of adam was so powerful that you know, Quran tells us uh, for, 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 he, 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 he disobeyed so he didn't eat, he, he ate from the tree and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he forgot. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, thumma jitabahu. His tawbah was so powerful that Allah granted him prophethood afterwards. So at that time he wasn't even a prophet. His tawbah was so powerful that Allah granted him prophethood if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't value him and if he was such a serious thing as some people have tried to make it out why would allah grant him prophethood so his his toba resulted in his maqam and status rising in the sight of allah so much that allah granted him prophethood and he becomes imamut tawabin imamul mutadarreen and he's the imam of the people who will make Tawbah. Every single person who ever makes Tawbah in the world, Adam gets the reward for it. So he ate from the tree. This is Allah's system, the system of Allah. The system of Allah is this. He sends prophets to teach lessons and sometimes they undergo certain sacrifices where you and I might not understand and you might, we might not comprehend. Why would a prophet or even a Sahabi undergo certain things which even a normal person wouldn't do. But there's a great lesson. And the lesson is this. Whatever isn't against the station of prophethood, Allah made that happen to the prophets. Whichever actions, because remember, Allah wants to give us a complete religion. If certain things were not done, we wouldn't learn about them. Thus would mean our religion is incomplete. But our religion Islam is totally complete. For example, those things which were not against the station and the rank of a prophet, Allah made them happen to the Prophet I'll give you a fair example so you understand. For example, the Prophet was leading Salah and in the Salah, he made a mistake. Now You might think like even our local Imam doesn't make a mistake. We know so many who father of the Quran that the Quran is so good. They don't make a How did the Prophet make a mistake? Or for example, he forgot which Rakaat he was in. We think like with so many people nowadays, they're so devoted in their salah, they would never forget which Rakaat they're in. How did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi forget? Or for example, on one particular night, Laylatul Ta'ariz, uh, a number of salah, uh, a few salah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Sahaba became Qadha. You think, well, we know people who've never missed Tahajjud, forget farah Salah. How did that happen? So this is the lesson we learned. Those things which were not against the rank of prophethood, Allah made them happen to the prophets. So, for example, making a mistake in the salah, that didn't impact his prophethood or his innocence. However, what, what it did impact was for you and me to learn, if the prophet didn't have sahwa and mistake in salah, which Allah made him have, how would we learn the mas'alah of sajdatu sahwa? That when you make a mistake in the salah, this is what you're supposed to do. So to learn that Allah made it happen to the Prophet sallallahu Otherwise, we know so many people nowadays; they are very focused in salah. They don't make a mistake. Similarly, the salah became qada. This is to teach us that if ever we were to miss our salah and become qada, this is how it's supposed to be done. So those things which were not against the station of prophethood, Allah made them happen with the Prophet sallallahu And then those things which were against the station of prophethood. Allah made them happen with the Sahaba during his lifetime. For example, Zina. Uh, We can't imagine a prophet committing Zina, Na'udhu Billah. They are pure, they are innocent. That's the topic we're discussing. However, did Zina happen in the time of the Prophet amongst the Sahaba? Remember, Sahaba were not innocent, but they were protected. Protected doesn't mean that they didn't commit sins. It was just much more harder for them to do it because they had divine protection. That doesn't mean that they didn't. Of course, sins did happen, major and minor happened one of the reasons you think we've got people in our communities who would never you know simple people not they're not alim they're not anything particular but they would never even dream of committing zina how did a sahabi do zina the sahabi the zina happened who is this maiz aslami radiallahu ta'ala anhu. zina was happened it was even proven that he did commit it what happens now he's about to be pelted with stones and whilst he was being pelted somebody made a comment because a bit of the drop a drop of blood or something went on somebody and a person made like a derogatory comment rasulullah turned round to this individual said so, do you know what you are saying he says wallahi do you know this person ma is aslami yeah he's done what he's done do you know his repentance his regret and do you know how bad he feels the tawbah he's done is so powerful if you were to Distribute his Tawbah upon the whole of Medina. Allah will forgive everybody. That's how powerful his Tawbah is So sometimes people commit a sin and after the sin their rank is so much more better than they were you know when a person's ill Sometimes illness is better than your healthy state and you think how is that? Well when you become a little bit ill what happens is sometimes the doctor advises you to have a detox so you have a detox And then you get rid of everything in your body some people get cupping done some people get detox done okay through you know forcing yourself to have diarrhea for example and everything comes out of your system um and then what happens then when you start taking medication then when you start treating yourself you become much more fitter much more healthier and much more stronger so exactly the same thing happens over here sometimes these certain individuals allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses that we look at it as a disobedience or a sin but as a result of it they become so many look at Maiz Aslami what he did yes on one side it's zina. but in no way shape or form am I trying to legalize or say like go and do Zina and then do Taubat I'm not saying that I'm saying look at these individuals don't just look at the fact that oh he did this look at what happened after it his remorse and regret Okay, and the amount he cried and how sincere he was in his Tawbah, the Prophet testified and said, If this is enough for the salvation of everyone in Medina, imagine no one did Tawbah. You know, that one Tawbah he did was so powerful. That everybody would be granted forgiveness, and we find so many examples like this. Adam alayhis salam ate from the tree, but Allah subhanahu wa taala says his toba was such. Allah grants him prophethood after thumma He was granted prophethood. So before he wasn't a nabi, and now he's become a nabi of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And we say prophet Adam alayhis salam, uh, and. Ibn al-Arabi rahmatullahi alayhi, now people have become familiar with Ibn al-Arabi through uh, the Artur Usti series. Before that, no one knew who Ibn al-Arabi was. Never, nevertheless, Ibn al-Arabi rahmatullahi alayhi, mentions uh, another point, Adam alayhis salam, whilst he was in Jannah, he was carrying in his loins um, the souls of all of his children and all of his progeny that's going to come until the day of Qiyamah. So it wasn't him. It was the impact and the effect and the influence of you and me that were inside adam alaihissalam that sort of made him go towards this tree otherwise he himself didn't want to disobey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is just a point that ibn al-arabi rahmatullah has mentioned so sometimes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants a person to get rid of a bad habit inside them maybe a person has got pride arrogance a person is boast all the time sometimes Ibn Al-Qayyim mentions allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this person slip up and commit a sin immediately he wakes up otherwise up, up until now he was only doing good deeds tahajjud dhikr quran charity you know, everyone knew him as a pious person. It was a bit getting to his head a little bit. Allah wanted him to sort him out a little bit. So he made him fall into this sin and he opened his eyes. Immediately he repented and he got rid of that bad habit of having this kind of pride and arrogance inside an individual. So sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works in this way. Theft, for example, happened amongst the Sahaba. Now you can't imagine a prophet stealing. No. So Allah made it happen within the Sahaba so that we can learn that if somebody commits zina, for example, if they're not married okay they'll get 80 lashes if they are married then according to if you're in an islamic country and there's islamic law then they would be stoned to death for example these things were taught and nothing was left incomplete and then those things so those things which were not against the rank of prophethood allah made it happen with the prophets those things which were against the rank of prophethood allah made them happen to the sahaba those things which were against the rank of even the Sahaba for it to happen during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah made it happen after the demise of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What was that? That was the Mushajara and the battles that happened between the Sahaba. So you couldn't have it at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because if you had two parties, what would happen? Obviously, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would be in one party and then who's going to oppose him? Immediately, if you oppose a Messenger of Allah, you become a kafir. So that couldn't have happened. So as soon as the prophet ﷺ went what happened they started there was infighting there was fitna and upon the demise of uthman ibn affan radiallahu that was it so much so that we had a whole army led by aisha radiallahu anha and the other army led by ali radiallahu battle of jamal battle of sifin hundreds of people losing their lives both of the parties thought they were under truth great sahaba on both sides but again you might think what being such pious Sahaba, and you guys are fighting you 're going onto a battlefield you 're taking your swords and killing each other, but again, that was Allah made them go through this supreme sacrifice because they 're a benchmark for you and me. How would we have learned that if two Muslim parties end up fighting, what does Islam say about it? So this was an ex- our beautiful religion is so complete everything has been shown to us practically it 's not just in theory practically as well all these examples are there and even those examples which couldn't be shown during the time of the prophet sallallahu Allah made it happen afterwards so that it becomes an example now does this happen after every sin you might think that you know commit a sin do toba and then you'll be up there no not necessarily that's this, that's not always the case it depends on the sincerity of a person's tawbah and the sincerity of a person's remorse and repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ulama say that the prophets are ma'soom and innocent before prophethood and after prophethood. Some say only after prophethood, so the Adam alayhis story, they say, well, he ate it before prophethood, ate from the tree, so you wouldn't count that. Okay, and others say no, before prophethood and after prophethood. So then we will say Adam alayhi Uh, he forgot and similarly we also said you can have something called an error in judgment an error in judgment and that's fine that happens in the hadith it tells us if there's a jurist and a scholar and he makes a judgment looking at the quran the hadith and the other evidences and he is correct in his judgment he gets double reward on the other side if you get another scholar And he looks at the evidences of the quran and sunnah and he makes a judgment but he makes an error in judgment he still gets one reward for making the effort so at the end of the day a prophet of allah is given an instruction allah told him don't eat from the tree so some scholars said that he didn't eat from that tree but he ate from that type of tree and he thought allah meant don't eat from just this tree but he went and ate from a tree which was of that type, without realizing Allah was referring to them all. Thus this was an error in judgment. We will say it wasn 't a sin we don 't call that a sin or an act of disobedience it 's an error in judgment. Allah can call it a disobedience because Allah can say what he wants Thus Allah says Adam disobeyed the command of his Lord. The scholars mention we okay we are not allowed to refer to. Any prophet as being a sinful person or that they committed sins, except when we are reading these ayat of the Quran and the Hadith. When we read the Quran, we will read, Fa asa adamu rabbahu But I can't in my normal day to day life when I'm having a conversation refer to the prophets and say um, they are sinful. Billah, there have been certain individuals in our past, in our recent past as well, who took this, they took out the time to pick out stories like these and then show, Look, this prophet is sinful. This prophet is sinful. Look at this Sahabi and they're nitpicking at the Sahaba. One of them was Maududi, Tafhimul Quran. Maududi Sahib, okay, a learned person he was, but in his Tafsir Tafhimul Quran, somehow a copy ended up here as well. One of the days, I don't know how, but a lot of these things have been taken out as well now. They don't. They're not all there. But if you look at the original, well, don't go and look at it. But you'll find in the original tafhibul Quran, whenever these incidents about these prophets came, he would try and make a point of showing that look, they committed sins and they did wrong. And then even amongst the Sahaba, they say, he's written that, look, Khalid bin Walid only, uh, you know, the Prophet only won certain battles because he had X, Y, and Z Sahaba with him. Had they not been with him, he wouldn't have been successful. I don't want to really mention what he said because it's very distasteful. It's incorrect. It's derogatory. It's blasphemous. And it shouldn't be said. But the point is, and then in more recent time, we have a scholar who people used to regard not anymore, uh, Salman Nadwi from India. And he's been going on and attacking the honor of Sayyiduna Muawiyah ta'ala anhu over the last so many days. Just speaking like Rafi, they speak of the Sahaba. At the end of the day, these are Sahaba. These are selected people. Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a scribe of Wahi. He was related to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was a Sahabi, a companion. The, you know, one person was told that who do you think is better? Muawiyah ta'ala, or Umar ibn Abdul Aziz? We you know, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz is like the second Umar, the fifth Khalifa, they call him. Who do you think is better? Muawiyah or Umar ibn Abdul Aziz? You know what he said? He said, when the prophet wasallam, would be riding on his horse when going for jihad, and Muawiyah would be with him as well. You know, the dust that would blow The dust particles that would go into the nostrils and the nose of the horse of muawiyah that dust particle is better than umar ibn abdul aziz and his whole life sahabi is a sahabi you can't mess with the sahaba the prophet said do not make the sahaba a target of your criticism whoever loves them he loves them because he loves me whoever hates them he hates them because he hates me so we've been told to stay away from the prophets and the Sahaba in terms of targeting them, speaking bad about them. Now, before we end, I think it's important for us to know the Ahlul Kitab, Yahud and Nasara, Jews and Christians, do they also believe this about prophets? That they are ma'asum or not? Let's take an example. Directly from the Torah, okay? Torah, the changed Torah, okay? Torah has been changed. This is not what Allah revealed. And you'll be able to tell exactly why you can clearly see. So in that Torah, in the chapter, Sifr Taqween, um, it's there. For example, the Yahud, let's take the Jews for example. Do they believe in innocence of the prophets? No, they don't. First of all, they say, I give you a few examples. Lut alayhi salam. Uh, now, I don't really want to say these things because they're not good, but it's important for us to understand how Muslims honor our prophets and how other nations have dishonored their prophets and how we are so much closer to the prophets and deserving of the prophets and on their heritage all of the prophets from adam salam till the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, including musa isa and all of the prophets of bani israel as well for example in the torah in the changed version of the torah sifr the um it's been mentioned page one two seven that they say Lut would drink alcohol. So much so that he became drunk. It gets much worse than this. As a result of this, he slept with his daughters. Once he was drunk, he committed zina with them and they had illegitimate children as well. This is in their holy book. This is they believe this. They who are about their prophets okay or about who we believe to be as prophets that's one example i give you another example again daud alayhi salam they call him a murderer this is why they say why do they say solomon's temple whereas daud alayhi salam is the one who started constructing masjid al aqsa and they always say solomon's temple they say well david couldn't have done it because he had blood on his hands they call him a murderer this is in their holy books in their holy books they say he was a murderer he killed a man just because he wanted to uh, have illicit relations with his wife. So he killed the husband, then committed zina and fornication with this woman. And then they had illegitimate children as well. Worse than this is what they say about Suleiman alayhis salam. Whereas they say Solomon's temple and blah, blah, blah. And Suleiman alayhis salam means this to us. They go as far as saying that before he died, Suleiman alayhis salaam, he became a renegade and he committed kufr. He would worship idols. And they say that he would make these temples in which idols would be worshipped. This is in their books. You open their holy books, you will find it in there. It's present, it's written, it's there today. And Quran clearly says, Suleiman did not commit kufr. They said before the end of his life, he abandoned the religion of Allah and he became a kafir na'udhu billahi min This is what the Yahud believe regarding those who we call prophets. They don't actually even call them respectfully. They call them without the title of prophet. When we say any prophet's name, we say prophet Dawood alayhi salam, prophet Suleiman alayhi salam, prophet Musa alayhi salam. You know how they slander Isa alayhi salam and Maryam very badly. Okay, and even the Christians, they believe only Jesus, Isa is innocent, because they believe innocence is a divine quality, which is only found in someone who is divine. Obviously, they believe in the divinity of Jesus. Thus, they say anyone else besides him cannot be innocent, because that is a divine quality. Um, So, that that explains to you our stance as Muslims, how this is one of our core beliefs, to believe in the Ismatul Anbiya, the innocence of all of the prophets, they are masum. They do not commit any sins. They cannot commit any sins. And it's more important for us to believe in the innocence of the prophets than it is for us to believe in the innocence of the angels. Because we've been told to obey the prophets and you can only obey unconditionally blindly somebody who does only and only good. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical that Allah would have told us to follow somebody who commits sins. It just doesn't make sense. So even logic demands that. And we find and understand from the Quran and from the Sunnah that this is uh, the belief of the Muslims of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah in regards to this. So we come to the end of today's session and we spoke about first of all the 10 consequences of eating from the tree. Then we went on to speaking about the immediate impact of good deeds and bad deeds in this world. I recommend this kitab to you, Jazaul al-A'mal, uh, in Urdu. And in English, it's called Rewards and Punishments for Human Deeds by Mawlana Ashraf Ali Tanmi. It's a very, it's got only, in this version, it's got like a hundred pages. That's nothing. It's Look at how small it is. But it's a life-changing book. If a person was to read and be reminding ourselves that, The the benefit of me doing good deeds is not just going to be in Jannah and the harm of sins is not just going to be in Jahannam Even here in my daily life. I'm going to see this So that is something uh, I would definitely recommend and then we conclude it on speaking about now Let's we can answer the question now. Is there a difference between the disobedience of Adam and the disobedience of Iblis? That was a question we started from and then we went we got a bit lost on the way so Iblis he disobeyed of Allah out of arrogance out of it was like this malicious intent out of pride intentionally it was from within adam Islam, this was nothing from within these were external influence of iblis where he told him to eat from the tree but again he did it because out of love of allah he wanted to stay in jannah forever and he took allah's name can anybody lie using allah's name so again it was out of love of Allah. But allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dealt with him as he would deal with somebody who is great and said look you did something which i told you not to do you're going to face the consequences so that this becomes a lesson until the day of judgment. And they've both set a pattern. They've both set a pattern. Adam a.s. has set a pattern of the fortunate ones. And Iblis then started a pattern for the unfortunate ones. It's for you and me to decide now whose path we want to tread on. On this we end, I'm just going to tell you, next week insha'Allah, we're going to start looking at the different, uh, the wisdom behind sending Adam a.s and how to the world the olam have mentioned more than 20 different uh, aspects over here we might have to do it over two sessions because there's so many reasons for why you know a lot of what am i doing here does the question ever come to you in your mind you might be just sitting there doing nothing what are we doing in this world why am i here why is allah sent us what's this all about what's going on so, this will be useful, inshallah, to understand this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana, an alhamdulillahi, Rabbil alameen. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad. كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين O oh Allah forgive our sins O oh Allah grant us the ability to make true repentance to you O oh Allah O oh Allah keep us away from your disobedience O oh Allah create the hatred of disobedience in our hearts O oh Allah Grant us the love of good deeds O oh Allah Help us to do as many good deeds as possible O oh Allah Grant us the inclination towards good deeds O oh Allah Make good deeds beloved to us O oh Allah Make sins hatred to us O oh Allah Hateful to us O oh Allah O oh Allah help us to recite the Quran on a daily basis Help us to be regular with ourselves. Allah help us to obey you wherever we are, in whichever condition we are. Oh Allah we do find it difficult, we do find it challenging. Oh Allah we slip up many times, O oh Allah. But we ask for your help and your assistance. Oh Allah help us, O oh Allah. Guide us, O oh Allah. Protect us from the nafs and shaitan, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, you become our friend, O oh Allah. Make us your friend, O oh Allah. Help us to become closer to you, oh Allah. Protect us from the evil influence of shaitan, O oh Allah. Protect us from all the fitan, O oh Allah. External and internal, O oh Allah. Look after our parents, O oh Allah. Have mercy on our parents, oh Allah. Those who've gone from the world fill their graves with noor. Those who are suffering from any type of illness, oh Allah. Grant them afi and shifa, oh Allah. Keep us all with good health, oh Allah. Protect us, O oh Allah guide us, O oh Allah, have mercy on our condition, O oh Allah. Those who have requested us for dua, O Allah, grant all their permissible wishes in the dunya and also the akhirah. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the same. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon Wa salamun ala al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi wa